Welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast willing to employ the services of Braith and Astor's new detective agency to ensure our studio is truly Wayne Bennett free. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the hot topics in the largely virus-free world of rugby league, including the spiralling number of COVID cases, Nathan Brown's move to the Warriors, Ivan Cleary in hot water, plus a whole lot more filth and debauchery. But first... I'm joined in the freshly scrubbed Media Watch Mario Studios by the only man so obsessed with the length of Cherry Evans's neck that he submitted a sample of DCE's Adam's Apple to Richard Dawkins for further study. It's Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. And and uh, yes, I, I have received a re- response on that DNA sample. He is, in fact, part giraffe. Okay, so that's because yeah. you it's were confirmed. always con- you contended yeah. that, didn't you, that he was the missing link between giraffe and Homo sapiens. That's right. He's and a separate species, Homo giraffe. Does that mean there are other? I don't know if that's actually, <laughs> if that's a species or a gender. Uh, but... I think it's just a gay giraffe. If he is that, by the way, it would explain why he's a herbivore and he eats nothing but acacia leaves. I assume. I always did wonder about that, so I'm glad you got to the bottom of it. On that topic, though, are there any advantages to having a neck as long as Cherry Evans's in the game of rugby league? Yeah, I guess it's probably good for um, those corner kicks. You know, you can kind of like follow it around. What, like the guys that do lawn bowls and follow their bowl up? Exactly. Are you saying yeah, that he, Cherry he can, Evans's neck is so long that he can follow his own conversions? <laughs> he, can, he can stand in that single spot and, um, yeah, doesn't have, to, doesn't have to move infield before the kick from the sideline, you know? And he can see all the angles, obviously. Exactly. As a playmaker, that's important because he can... He can see what's happening on the left wing and on the right wing all at once. And and you know, frankly, running into contact, you know, he can he can sort of like throw his body one way and, mm. and his head the other, and and dodge players in ways that others can't. Is that good for the whiplash though? I feel like in the in the world of CTE brain injury, that that kind of whiplash off the long neck is probably a bad thing. Potentially. Now we should mention we are recording today's show only days after the International Day of the Cat. Xander. So all of our warmest wishes go out to Jamie Soward and his non-existent running game. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a joke about the movie Cats then. <laughs> no, I didn't go and, that and, far, mate. And, and airbrushed anuses, but, um, you know. I'll look for another show, perhaps. <laughs> that would have been the obvious one. Airbrushed anuses, mate. <laughs> Judy Dench's muff. I should have went there. Now, before we become uh, Josh Dugan and feign a myriad of injuries for the purposes of earning a penalty, just a reminder, you can follow the Voluntary Tackle on all of the socials via the handle at Voluntary Tackle. But we're mainly on Twitter, let's be honest. You can also follow Xander Risotto on Twitter via the handle at Xander underscore TVT. Now, Xander, before we get into the show, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, In fact, my whole script's been blown up in the last 24 hours because the whole game changed. But before we go there, I believe you've got some late-breaking news on Matt Lodge. Yeah, but apparently he's um, out for the season with a broken leg now. Okay, so it gets better for the Broncos. Um, I'm going to put this to you. Did he break his own leg just to get the fuck out of there? 
Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. I would have. Like, is there any images on CCTV at Broncos headquarters where yeah. he's got a mallet and he's just going at his own kneecap? <laughs> yeah, that or he's just been like kicking a, a metal pole or something endlessly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he did that in New York very infamously <laughs> at one point. <laughs> let's, let's not forget. Uh, let's never forget. It's like the Holocaust. Remind us year in, year out so we don't make the mistakes of the past. Now, to start the show today, Xander, we're talking the endless viral array of COVID breaches. The NRL have had quite a few over the past week, quite a few over the past 24 hours as it happens. Wayne Bennett, Alan Langer and the entire Brisbane Rugby League system apparently have been caught up in this, Xander, uh, as well as Paul Vaughan. A big shout out to Braithen Astor, obviously, for, for sending us that extensive list, by the way. Now, uh, it probably makes sense to... Allegedly. S- allegedly. That's right. Sorry, Braith. I'm sure it wasn't you. Although, what are the odds of you turning up to the Grappa restaurant at the same time? I don't know. Let's not let's not go into it now. <laughs> but let's start with Wayne. Now, he's been fined $20,000 and suspended for two matches after he was caught dining at an Italian restaurant in Leichhardt. Now, under the NRL's strict biosecurity rules, players and staff are not permitted to attend public venues like pubs, clubs, restaurants and cafes. Now, Wayne's response to this, Sandra, this is what I really want to get to. It, he said, look, it's just getting a bit too tough, uh, was, the, was the quote, to keep up with all the new rules. And he found the protocols, quote, too confusing. Now, Xander, poor old Wayne is doing little to buck the perception of being an older gent with comments like that, isn't he? Yeah, look, I... <laughs> And I know this one's been dealt with ad nauseum by various commentators, but Jesus, you know, if you can't complain about the rules when you're on the committee that drew them up. Just, you know, like it's just literally you're on the Apollo committee, Wayne. Everybody else, I thought I thought Stuart said it best when he basically said, you know, yeah, he'd have loved to have gone out for a beer and done all these things, but he knew what the rules were, so he didn't. Yeah, he was filthy on it. Situations like this show you the true character of people, which, which just goes to show he... Fucking hates Wayne. That's <laughs> but, right. But it is just selfishness oh, in the yeah, raw, it isn't it? Petulant. It was so bloody petulant and childish. I love the fact you brought that up. He was on Project Apollo, which is supposedly the intelligence committee for coming up with the biosecurity <laughs> rules to begin with. The very rules. Well, I can't that now... keep up with these laws I've created. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it just... <laughs> is it akin, mate? It's a little bit disconcerting for me. Do you think this is akin to I don't know, like a pilot of an out of control plane blaming the screaming passengers for the flight deck manual being a bit too confusing? <laughs> I feel it's just a bit much from Wayne here. Yeah, I mean, there's no defence. I think everyone's acknowledging. I actually think he kind of got off pretty lightly in mm. the end, like in a. Given that in it's the because he flashed his seniors card in the press conference, he's like, "I've been doing it for weeks." <laughs> you know, I mean, he just made it worse. Like, been going to cafes, went to a rave. You know, I mean, it was just it just was giving the game away. And I'm like, "What? Why did you get the same fine as Ivan Cleary?" You know, shouldn't you have been given maybe like five times the amount? Yeah, because Ivan's was a mistake. Like Ivan's was was him being a bit stupid and offhand. Um, you know, but he didn't put the entire competition at risk. Look, I don't want to be an ageist prick here, but I will uh, focus on a few quotes here from Wayne Bennett when he was questioned about this. And it did have that reek of maybe I've lost it cognitively, Xander. Uh, Now, he said in the conference, and I quote, I didn't think it was a breach of the rules. And if he had known that he wouldn't have gone out. But then he went on to explain that he did know the rules. At least he was confident he knew the rules. And then went down a real rabbit hole of old man logic when he said, you look at the TV news programs and people in different parts of Sydney have different rules. We've got rules for ourselves. Then there's the border stuff. I come from Queensland and I've got a family up there still. I've cut that statement a bit short because then he went on for 16 minutes about how decimal currency has ruined the value of the shilling. 
Why would he bring up all this stuff, mate, and not just own up to it? Why did he go down this fucking like weird rabbit warren of old man logic? Yeah, it's it struck me as being you know all a little bit of a um a, a, a weak attempt to deflect. Mm. I mean, talking about the news and stuff, it's just like, mate, you know, the, the rules for the general population aren't the same as the rules for you guys. That's that that was the point. That was why we were able to continue to play a contact sport. Hit mm. your head. You know. Well, obviously, Wayne has been not alone with this, mate. There was Paul Vaughan who was busted going <laughs> Paul to Paul Vaughan, what was, his, what was the name he used? <laughs> he signed him with a fake name, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he signed him with a fake name. It was, was it, it Farty McFartface? <laughs> I just love it. He was like, oh, my name's Peter Falades. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I would have actually really rated it if Paul Vaughan just changed his name slightly. Yeah, yeah. Like Paulia Vaughan. Just I, I, I suspect he would have used the same like initials somehow. Mm. Like Peter Valandis. Yeah, Peter Valandis. Or, yeah. or he would have gone, you know, like Patrick Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Fakeman. <laughs> Poor Pat- Paul. Patrick Good. Fakeman, actually. <laughs> That's Mr. Patrick Fakeman to you, cafe owner who's about to bust me. Cafe owner who's who's decked out in dragon stuff because I'm in the fucking Illawarra. And whose name is Braithan Astor. Now, making this even worse, mate, it's the fact that when Wayne put that idea together that it was too hard to follow the rules. Now, you know this show, this podcast, is not known for doing its research, but I did notice that when you Google um, Rugby League Apollo rules, the very first hit, in fact, gives you all of the regulations you need. Is it just an old man thing? Could he have not have access to the internet? Is there any slack we can cut him here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> he's got a smartphone. Maybe what happens, needs to happen is somebody, he needs, he needs an assistant who can print it out on A3 paper every day mm. and pin it to his front door. Yeah, put it, <laughs> you know, like... Like a broadsheet Like I've, I've worked for, for older people like that who, who just can't use a mobile device to mm. save their lives. And I imagine I imagine poor old Benny's bamboozled by the, the touchscreen. Yeah, that's you know, right. I mean, he, he probably he probably has one of those ones where, you know, you, you, it, it's the entire screen, screen to, to slide it to open it. The kind of phone you yeah, have for people who are going slightly blind. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, yeah, you, you probably need to go analog with Wayne is, mm. is my suggestion. Are there any risks of giving him a, a, a smartphone in 2020? I mean, oh, is he likely to get hooked on Pornhub or something? Like I said, I'm sure he has one. I just, I just imagine he doesn't use it very well. Is there a Pornhub for the elderly? I think there's a subcategory within Pornhub for the elderly. <laughs> I assume there probably is. There's, there, there is. What would um, it be called? Hey, well, I mean, it's Tinkle in My Wrinkle. <laughs> probably. You know, I've just actually thought of something. You know, it'd be a really good name for an old man porn song. Don't come in my pills unless you really mean it. That's something to marinate on. Now, mate, uh, we did allude to it earlier. There are further breaches. Now, uh, the name Tavita Pangai Jr. is sort of at the top of the list. Um, Now, he has been rubbed out of the game over Mm. this. He got a huge fine, and the NRL today came out and suspended him in, quote, indefinitely. Whatever that means. I I like that. He wasn't deregistered from the NRL. They said, fuck off for a long time, Mm. was essentially the message today. Because it's come out that this little barbershop escapade with the bikey gang was not an isolated incident. In fact, it seems to be over the last season that Tavita Pangai Jr. has actually been breaching these laws from the beginning, flouting them uh, consistently. They, I haven't come out and given us exact details, but they just said it was part of a regular pattern. It's a pretty ordinary form, isn't it? Oh, it's just so so staggeringly stupid. And um, yeah, I was... 
I was pleased to see that, that Robinson had come out today and uh, confirmed that, that the Roosters aren't interested because, Jesus Christ, mm. what a lot. I mean, you know, that stuff aside, even on, on the field, he's been a liability. That's you right. Know, he a lot of m- dumb penalties. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he comes in with late off-the-ball sort of dog shot stuff. Mm. Um, he spends way more time, like, off the field suspended than actually playing at the moment. Yeah. There's, I, some, there's, a, there's a virtue to bringing aggression to the field. But yeah. he brings an aggression that operates well outside the lines of the rules. Oh, he, bring, he, he, he brings brazen stupidity. Yeah. Right. And a lot of mouth. I've yeah. noticed that. He loves a good verbal oh, to yeah, beat yeah. a Pangai Jim. And, you know, like, fuck me dead. It's not like he, it's not like he aims up much in defence. You see some of the tries, like the that's Nichols right. try of Souths. He, he was in there to stop that. Yeah, that's right. He just strolled through them. Biggest men in, in the comp. Like they were nothing. Um, are you happy with the punishment that the NRL have, have doled out to Tavita Pangai Jr. in particular? Yeah, it's fair. I mean, yeah. you know, I think, I think, um, yeah, an indefinite ban basically to suggest to me that they're probably going to come up with a, something larger, like deregistering him entirely mm. and cancelling yeah. his playing contract. Because he has legitimately, and this isn't overstating it, he's legitimately put the whole competition in jeopardy, hasn't he? Because if he hadn't happened to have had these breaches and then spread them throughout the, the team, and then the teams played another team. He could have seen this as the competition at least suspended for a few weeks, mm. if not derailed completely. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's the, the, the point that the coaches and the, the game needs to, and I'm sure Volandis is doing it, they need to impress on them that, you know, they need to not just think of themselves, but every every person they know who plays or is involved in the game and, and ask if it's really worth threatening their livelihood mm. to go and, you know, catch up with a bunch of mates somewhere or go to go to a pub even if you think it's, even if you think it's safe, because um, yeah, how badly do you need that beer? Does Does Alfie Langer really need to celebrate his birthday in a pub this this particular year? Well, let's go to that. That's a pretty interesting story because there's been a further development on that today. Now, for the listeners who aren't familiar with the story, Alan Langer and a few of the trainers uh, have also been busted breaching the COVID bubble. Now, uh, Alan was apparently celebrating his birthday, which no law against that, but he went and organised a a function room at the Caxton, didn't tell the NRL about it, it is against uh, the rules that they're, they're allowed to do that. And this was the other development today. Apparently the Caxton Hotel has been busted, shutting off their CCTV cameras so that the party could take place. Now, this would indicate to me intent, this isn't an oversight, they knew they were doing the wrong thing and the Caxton Hotel was fucking in on it. By the way, yeah. big shout out to the Caxton, we'd love your sponsorship. <laughs> It's it's just so like I mean all that it's been it's been talked about for you know pretty well since the Broncos have been a part of you know the the New South Wales Rugby League and now the NRL mm. that there's there's been a there's a bit of a Brisbane mafia that sort of hide away all their indiscretions and don't report on it like I mean they used to be called the Courier Mail they're yes. still called that aren't they <laughs> yeah. it's the the media arm the Godfather um, Neil Breen <clears throat> all all bow before Neil Breen. But yeah, like I mean, it's it's been long it's been long talked about that there's just stuff that they 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 kind of help. Like, I mean, whereas in Sydney, um, the tele, Telegraph and the SMH, they will just any any whiff of indiscretion, mm. and they they will hang that club out to dry. So they're a little bit more on guard. Yeah. Um, but the Broncos, I think, and this, you know, perhaps is part of their their downfall is they. They have have a bit of a swagger about them because they think that they're you know above the law and they can get away with shit because mm. of this permissive environment, and not this year. Yeah, you know, and just it's like this. This is probably part of that broader trend at the moment. Like they're 
they're well off. They've they've been knocked well off their perch in every single aspect of, of mm. life now. Yep. And I just think this this given everything else that was going on was just so unnecessary. Do you think as a New South Wales Blues player that the Caxton Hotel trip, which has been infamous for being, you know, a pretty intimidating place, all the Queensland fans hurling bottles at you at abuse, um, epithets and whatnot. Do you think it's even scarier now that they could be racked with COVID? <laughs> We won't just fuck your shit up. We'll also infect you with some kind of killer disease. Well, I think this is probably a benefit that um, the players will go nowhere near it this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, this we've uh, been avoiding it anyway for a few years. I don't think they do the Caxton yeah, one anymore. No. I, I think I think if anything, this year is probably a good excuse to play the entire series in WA. Now, look during the week, Xander had emerged. Ben Eichen is actually vying to become the CEO of the Broncos. Do you think over the last week he's gone? Nah, fuck that. Like that. That's a tough gig. I saw him interviewed um, on uh, NRL 360 about it. Uh, it was it was uh, interesting. I, Paul Kent asked him rather pointedly, "You're not just going to go in there and do a review, are you?" And then he then he spent 15 minutes basically explaining how he'd go in and you know in long form and do conduct a review, a review <laughs> <laughs> which to be fair, you kind of would need to do mm. to work out what the hell went wrong in the place. Um, but for the listeners, they may not know this, Xander, but you're not a big Ben Iken fan, are you? And in fact, you have a particular anger towards the fact that he wears glasses. And what I've always found odd about this is you don't go ballistic at other people wearing glasses, but just Ben Iken, because I think you've always had a theory that he doesn't need the glasses. He wears them to look more intelligent. Do you still hang on to that theory? Or? It's uh, like, I think, I think it's, it's more, um, yeah, like... When he first transitioned from from a player to a, a media uh, commentator, mm. um, does that involve an operation as well? <laughs> I think it did, Bubble. Yeah. It. You need a mic put across <laughs> your cock. But but it was it was it was quite like um, quite jarring, like because he mm. you know he he always kind of looked a little bit like a redneck in his playing days, right? And um and it was just kind of funny, like him him. Having finished that last year and then going on TV and wearing glasses, and I'm like, mate, you're not fooling anybody. You don't need them. I've never seen you wore glasses in your entire playing career. What is this shit? I've got to tell you, mate, if it is a charade, he's kept it up for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's clearly heard me online. He's like, fuck it, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. <laughs> yes. But I, I, I reckon, I swear to God, if you were to poke you know, at those glasses, you'd probably find they were, they were just empty frames. Yeah, probably yeah. would be. Yeah. Or maybe just the glad wrap uh, exactly. between the frames that might have made it look more authentic. Look, on this concept of breaches, before we wrap it all up, do you think there's going to be more? It seems as though, and I hope I'm wrong, and I hope the message has finally gotten through, but it feels like this might have just been the tip of the iceberg. Do you get that kind of feeling that maybe <sighs> there are lots of clubs who have had incidents and maybe have kept it on the down low, and especially when yeah. these infection rates were dropping down before it all spiralled out of control in Victoria, that there was a sense of complacency maybe? I, I, I bloody hope not. Like, I mean, I, I can I can see, you know, Vaughan got hammered, you know, for his stupidity. Yeah. Um, and rightly so. I, it's I like hammered I, it on the field a lot too these <laughs> days. But like I said, I do think the Sydney clubs, generally speaking, you know, Qua Wayne's Queensland arrogance notwithstanding, um, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're more sensitive to the fact that the media will crucify them for any slip up mm. and i think uh, the melbourne storm are too professional an outfit to fuck up and the warriors you know know too much what's at stake so i i think i think it's probably more likely to be isolated to queensland if there were another mm. club guilty of it i i would suspect it's probably the cowboys whereas i actually think the gold coast are 
I, I, under Holbrook, I suspect they're more di- disciplined at the moment. Well, they definitely are on yeah. the field as well. You mentioned the Warriors there. I did not know this until during mm. the week, but apparently they're on a different set of rules to every other club. But are you aware of this? Because I found this a bit confusing because apparently I think they're staying on the central coast mm. and there's lower infection rates. I yeah, that's get right. That. But it's not as though there's a border there. Uh, we know that the, the state has an, a certain number of cases. We're on a bit of a knife's edge. Was this a bit of a strange thing for the NRL to do to give them this kind of dispensation because they're on the central mm. coast? Because for me, the virus doesn't know a border around the central coast. It'll, it could just crop up there as it has on a couple of occasions. Uh, I suppose in fairness, um, New South Wales has been averaging around 20-odd cases a day. Something about that, yeah. Um, and they've all been in Sydney. There's been a few little spots, I think, outside. I think there's been Have a they? few rogue. Yeah. I, I think thought, the vast majority. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's probably a um, one of those things where they get they get tested quite a bit anyway. I, I can kind of see an argument for, you know, trying to give them some additional freedoms, given that they're already um, having to give up sacrifice. so much. You know? Well, this was the argument that Danny Wildler was told apparently mm-hmm. while speaking on 100% Footy. He said that they were giving these dispensations because it was a bit of compensation mm. for the plight and the journey that they've had to make. But and they, it seems they are to testing tr- them more regularly, though, right? You'd hope so. That's, I don't know if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, but even so, because yeah. as we know, testing is not foolproof. It's a it's an mm. important thing to do. Uh, but some people might be asymptomatic for a while, and it could still fuck the comp up. Mm. It seems like an unusual chip to trade in when you're you're trading with the the the, the health of the competition. I just found that a bit odd. Yeah, it's a tricky one, right? Mm. Like, I, I do see a kind of statistical argument in favour of it. Yeah, you know, given that they definitely are definitely lower risk. Yeah, like I mean, it's if you're in an area where there are like there's zero confirmed cases and the most, I guess, the, the highest proximity uh, of cases is is in a, a massive city just south of you, and even there, it's like a handful. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, doesn't that sort of let Brisbane Broncos off the hook because Queensland's in much better state than we are in New South Wales. So if we're going on the infection argument, you know, guys going into the Caxton Hotel is extremely low risk. Granted, but I think the, I think the the element um, the, the 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 critical ingredient is the fact that the the Warriors had controls around that that additional freedom and they were getting a- additional testing, whereas the Broncos lied about it <laughs> and didn't tell anybody. You're right. That is a fly in the ointment. <laughs> Now, there were rumours floating around yesterday, Xander, that Ryan Hall had actually breached protocol as well. But the league has agreed that virus needs a live host to be dangerous. So he's now in the clear, which is obviously important. Now, to close this one off, mate, a bit of a delicate uh, subject matter involving the Brisbane Broncos coach, Anthony Seabold. He has been the subject of some pretty vicious online social media rumours. But he's he's engaged lawyers uh, to investigate this. Um, what did you make of this whole chapter? It seemed like a very sordid and sort of sad affair because we do know that Anthony has had a legitimate family issue, which they haven't gone into detail, but we know it's probably very serious. Mm. And that's why he stayed in Sydney and that's why he's been um, rendered suspended for two weeks because it, it, he breached protocol to do that. What have you made of the whole chapter of the, the rumours online and, and the, the social media trolls? Yeah, like I said to you sort of off air um, earlier, in a certain sense, it, it reminded me a little bit about Pappenhausen's recent um, uh, highlighting of the amount of 
vitriol and death threats that they get when they play a bad game. And mm. like that blew me away because, Jesus, the, the Storm don't play many bad games. And if they get death threats, then what the hell? You exactly know? right. Um, Apparently, it's because he, that he ruined someone's multi. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, well, Jesus, mate. Fuck, it's your problem. Mm. Um, For the record, I didn't say go fuck. <laughs> But mate, it was a seven legger. <laughs> the fans obviously take it seriously, and it did did make me think of that immediately. And I thought, well, if fans can go that mental at a side that is killing it right now, mm. um, then Jesus, I suppose, going absolutely off the wall and wanting to destroy somebody's entire life yep. uh, is probably I don't want to say to be expected, but not quite as surprising um, yep. from a Broncos. Fan. Do you think? I mean, not that it is justified. I want to just make that extremely course. clear. Like, I mean, the the rumors that are going around are just so off the wall nuts. Yeah, which we won't give voice to, obviously, um, in, the, in terms of what they are specifically. Are we making an assumption here that it is a Brisbane Broncos fan who put this out? It has that sort of smell about it, doesn't it? That a very very disgruntled Brisbane Broncos fan because they take the shit pretty seriously up there, and there's a lot of hate for Anthony. Oh yeah, yeah. In I mean, Brisbane. it's 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 come from the the Broncos WhatsApp fan group. And uh, so you would have to think it was a Broncos fan. Um, and yeah, somebody who's just like thinks that they can um, derail or get rid of him somehow or force him to quit. I don't know, mm. something like that. But Mate, it's honestly, this is a pet peeve of mine, but, you know, people, I mean, this is a, he's got a legitimate claim here for defamation, I think. Anthony oh, 100%. I mean, it's the most vitriolic, heinous uh, set of accusations that I've ever seen levelled at anyone in rugby league. If I'm going to be honest with you, it was deeply personal. Mm. Do they have a chance of catching the people involved, do you think? I mean, I'm not a cybersecurity expert, but if they do, I, I legitimately hope that, uh, that they land in some really deep shit. Well, yeah, they're a chance because, you know, WhatsApp requires you to use your phone number. <laughs> okay, right. So, um, you know. I'm not on WhatsApp, so... I don't well, know how it worked. I thought that was the more encrypted version of like Apple Text or something. Well, it, it, it's 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 just a, a, an encrypted messaging service, but it requires you to have a mobile phone number. Okay, so, so there's no anonymous functionality at all. With well, that. Y there is, but you know, people will give up WhatsApp groups. Yeah, you know, like right. I mean, they're, they're they're big groups. They'll be able to look at. They'll be able to go through if they get access to if they've mm. got somebody who's a member of that group where their message originated. Yeah, they'll be able to go through it and then grab that person's phone number, and the cops will be able to call them. Yeah, great. so unless it's a burner, one thing I would ask is: is do you think it is a, absolutely the most heinous thing that's been you've you've seen the the the, the full text of, of at least one of these accusations? Mm. Do you think it really is the most heinous thing? Because there've been some pretty horrible things said. Mate, in it's right up there. But I'm going to tell you this: it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, just last week, someone called me Ryan Hall. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, Xander. After firmly rejecting an application from former Manly coach Jeff Toovey, the New Zealand Warriors have finally found their man to replace Stephen Kearney. It's a coach with a much poorer winning percentage in Nathan Brown. We asked one of Brownie's former players uh, for his thoughts about the big news. Um, I was at lunch having a nice strawberry, strawberry thick shake, so I wasn't too sad. Thanks, Caitlin, for that exclusive scoop. But Xander, this was not all of the recruitment news. The Warriors have also appointed Gus Gould in an advisory role. You remember Gus. Uh, he was the guy who fired several coaches at Penrith before being knifed in the back himself. It was very Game of Thrones out there at the foot of the mountains at one stage. It's fair to say this was not exactly the decision that most people had tipped, mate. But what did you make of the move? I'm a bit each way on it. So mm. 
I'm actually a big fan of, of Gus and what he's done. You know, he copped a lot of shit about his um, long-term planning at uh, Penrith, but um, yeah, I mean, he put a 2080 plan in. That was amazing. But you know, it, it it is a funny one. Like the first year after he's left and uh, kind of gotten out of the way, it, it just seems like they have an endless production line of talent. All of a sudden, turns out he was onto something. Yeah. So, so I actually think he's he's the perfect guy in that sort of backroom developmental role for the Warriors because mm. they do have. Uh, riches of, of, of um, junior talent that could be harnessed. They just need someone to, to make it coherent and, and develop a system there. Yeah. And, you know, if you get that in place, then you have, you, you eventually have a, well, first of all, a competitive warrior side, but then uh, an argument for a second New Zealand side eventually. So what is this then? If this is the, uh, the development uh, route that we're criticising here, because the, the New Zealand warriors, generally speaking, have a lot of, native talent in their team don't they yeah is that the composition that say a nathan brown gus gould partnership should bring to the club or or should they have more of a sprinkling of australian players in their team because i've noticed in more recent times there hasn't been too many australian based players in that team and it hasn't worked out too well in terms of results i don't know if that's a key variable or not would that be something that they have a look at a bit more of a sprinkling of mature sort of nrl talent well i mean they've done that as well they've gone down that road previously i mean you know like frankly Blake Green was 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 kind of in that mold for. Yeah, oh, right? he's in the mold for yeah. sure. But uh, he's an outlier. He's, he's gone. Yeah. Um, but there aren't know, too many of them. Yeah, they, I mean, they they've had a few here and there. I don't think, I don't think they're they're lacking Australians. I think they're I think they're 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 lacking uh, the right cultural influences. Mm. I think they they need they need uh, somebody to to bring a level of professionalism and precision to the place. See, I think but that my point there sort of dovetails into what you're talking about with the development system. I think you're right. There's mm. a, so much talent in New Zealand that it, it should be getting. Obviously, there's a bit of a missing link in the chain there where they just don't come in NRL ready. Mm. And so if they get that in place, which isn't going to happen overnight, then I think that they'll just have a flood of local talent and they'll be extremely competitive. But that's not going to happen because I think the system is not there at the moment. It'll take it'll take them, you know, five or so, you know, five to ten years to build it. Probably. Exactly. So my point there with the sprinkling Australian talent, I guess I'm thinking you need a, you need something to plug some interim. Holes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is just an interim yeah. strategy as they work on that development funnel. Is there any merit to that? You think? Oh no, I, I agree. And uh, the question is, who, who are they going to look to target? Like what they could, if they were to target a few players, there are a few Kiwi nationals that they could target that would bring a heck of a lot. Like I mean, Jesus, if they were to get. They don't get Brandon Smith from the Storm. He's a New Zealand representative. Oh, he'd be a great guy. Um, like he'd, he'd obviously bring some of that Storm experience over. I mean, mind you, we thought that about Stephen Kearney. Mm. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned targeting yeah. players. So Brownie came out really early and said, mm. we've drawn up a list of players that we want to buy as a foundation for the club going forward. Now, we already found out today that he's actually landed two of his men. So it was Ewan oh, yeah. Aiken yeah. and Kane Evans. Uh, but he also had a few others on the list. Adam Elliott, who did today signed with the Bulldogs, so he's off the list. He would have been a great buy. He's also outlined a Wigan centre called Oliver Gildart. I'm not familiar with him. I went and looked him up. He's a sort of a, a smaller, sort of sharpish kind of centre. Not, yeah, right. not a lot of size to him. Um, and they've even, and this is a controversial flag, they were looking at the still sidelined Jack DeBellin pending a legal clearance. Jack DeBellin? Do you think that's an odd call given... All of the baggage around him. Now, yeah, I'm not is... saying that he's obviously everything's before the courts. We're not hmm. uh, making a value judgment on his guilt here, but just from an NRL recruitment point of view, you're not just recruiting uh, Jack DeBellin there, are you? You're recruiting all the baggage around him. Yeah, I, I would have. I mean, if you're going in there to to try and uh, kickstart a, a new era and and drive cultural change, 
I think it sends a poor message. I think maybe you look at a Bedell and a Jack DeBellin type player in a couple of years when, when that's all been cleared up. Yeah. Sure. But Assuming whilst, it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, but whilst it's still uncertain, just, yeah, keep, wouldn't go near it with a 10-foot pole, would you? It does seem like an odd call. Well, I'm going to throw it over to you, though. You've got the magic marker. You can put your recruitment list together. You've mentioned a couple already, but if you say you could buy four or five uh, moderate to marquee players, who should the Warriors be chasing for 2021? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. I, I would, would be focusing on the spine. I think they've actually done pretty well. I mean, in a funny sort of way, you know, their, their side hasn't looked too bad this year, and I don't think that they, they need to do a ton on the recruitment front. Their forwards have really held up. They've been playing pretty tight footy for a lot of the year. Yeah. I think it really probably is in the halves, and ironically, I think Green, if anything, I would have wanted to keep him. Um, yeah. So, because he's been playing pretty well. And he's gone now to his 12th club? Yeah, he's I gone to Newcastle. It's but they, amazing they, how many clubs they he's They wanted for. to get rid of the influence of, what's his face, that player manager, Moses. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Is that the reason? I didn't know that yeah, was the reason. Yeah, so that was the background, is that they wanted, that, you know, there's there's the whole thing that um, player managers have too much power. And uh, if you look at um, Newcastle, basically, I think, it's, mm. I think it's Isaac Moses, right? So apparently, you know, he manages the coach and half the team. And so he's effectively their recruitment officer. Yeah, right. And at that point, the coach and the, and the, the club lose control over who's uh, coming and going, and they can't really build a football That's where club. the regulation needs to come in, right? Yeah. Because the moment you have a stranglehold <clears throat> on an entire club, hmm. there's definitely a conflict of interest there, isn't it? Surely it should be and a critical mass of players that you can manage per club. Yeah, that's right. And you shouldn't be able to manage coaches. They, they wanted to purge the club of his influence. They saw it as pernicious and mm. that it was part of the, the reason for their bad on-field performances. What about Brownie himself, mate? What does Brownie bring that they haven't had there already? Now, I don't think you... An acerbic wit? <laughs> really overly exuberant uh, in your praise of uh, Brownie when I've heard you chat about him. Now, it's hard to judge him in, in recent form in the NRL, obviously, because he got given probably the biggest shit-kicker job uh, the rugby league had going in the Newcastle Knights. There was a couple of wooden spoons in a row there. But the club was in all sorts, dire straits. Um, they just needed someone who had a steady hand to come in and kind of rebalance things. I would contend, actually, Nathan Brown did that mm. to a large degree. Yeah, yeah, well, you look at them now and you have to, you have to give them credit on mm. that front, right? Yeah, exactly. And it feels like they punted him right as they were starting to mm. come out of the fog, which, and in a, in a fashion that probably wasn't the nicest way to be done either. Um, and, and look, before that, he had the St. George Illawarra Dragons, mm. who they didn't win a comp, but they were competitive for the most part. Uh, until the end there mm. and honestly I don't follow the Super League so I don't know how his stint was it St Helens he yeah that's right Yeah, I don't know how they went over there so it's, I can't judge him for that but to me I, I think there are worse options in the world mm. uh, for I, him to come in I just don't think he's the best one I, I agree I, I think I don't think he's I don't think he's the, the worst but I, I, I was a little bit bemused that they couldn't that Tuvi didn't even qualify for an interview um, uh, the criteria quote. yeah so I mean like I I don't know. I, I thought that Tuvi did a heck of a job with a with a manly side that um, you know had all sorts of problems when he went went in there. The way he left it, there was I know there was criticisms of that. Mm. Um, so maybe that's the issue is that he's not considered. Maybe he wasn't considered somebody who could handle the the enorm. Well, I guess the the broader aspects of what they were expecting around managing the roster and other but things. The fact is, they didn't even fucking ask him. Mm. They didn't even let him in an interview. Yeah, well, that was that, my issue. That, Choose whoever the fuck you that's, want. That's right, and that, that, that's that's kind of what I was going to get to. So, but we, we wouldn't know, like, if he mm. if he's developed because that was seven years ago now that you know he, yeah. he coached 
um, Manly to, to the, the grand final that they lost to the mighty Sydney Roosters. Um, and what was he batting at? Around a 65% yeah, winning? He, he wasn't doing badly. Maybe 60 odd percent. That's pretty damn good in the NRL. I mean, maybe it's a good thing. I mean, I did think he looked like he was he was at the uh, on, on the verge of having a, a stroke and a heart attack simultaneously after every match he lost. But think about the successful coaches that do look highly anxious. Mm. One comes to mind. He looks like he's going to have a fucking a cerebral hemorrhage every game. Greg Bellamy. Jesus Christ. It works for him. So I don't know if being a, an overwrought, uh, highly emotional character is exactly a disadvantage for a coach. One thing I'll say about Jeff Tuvey is I know that he doesn't come across as the most articulate guy in the world, but he really understands footy. Mm. When you see him talk, I think he does some work for NRL.com. When he's talking about the game, he really does genuinely understand what it takes to have a winning football side. Mm. And clearly the proof's in the pudding because when he was, you know, at the helm at Manly, they played quite well under him. Is it is it a, a question of him having been out of the game or, or been out of a, a senior coaching role now for just too long? I mean, yeah, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about that too much, but I've got to say... It's been a while now, right? Like, we we but, were wondering when his next coaching gig was going to be and it just never seemed to come. And he Yeah. Just... I always thought that he would actually move into the Blues. Mm. I, I thought that was going to be... Before Freddie took over, I could see... Jeff Toovey being a successful coach at the New South Wales Freddie and his yoga and uh, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, vegetable shakes and barefoot exactly. walks. Exactly. Let's talk about Phil Gould, though, mate. You're you're a fan of Gus. Is this a bit of a game changer for the Warriors to have him go over there? Yeah, I, I do think from a from sort of a whole of football standpoint, it is because they do have all the ingredients. That, you know, like New Zealand by rights should be a powerhouse. They probably should be. You know, in the same, we should be speaking of them in the same category as as you speak of the Storm and previously the Broncos. Like mm. they 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 have so much to draw on uh, in Auckland and uh, the wider sort of North Island, um, like you know, playing stocks. Yeah. Uh, it is largely a South Auckland game uh, in in New Zealand or you know in in Auckland in particular. But they you know they they if they had the right scouting. There's a lot of rugby talent as well mm. that you could be bringing into into um, uh, that developmental program, with, you know that that is going to be discarded by union. Yeah. So I I, w- I, w- I think absolutely they should they'll you know it'll be a real boon for them because I know I think he'll know how to to build that for them. I know he's been pretty vocal. He said, "Look, they've got a recruitment manager. I'm not in the business of recruitment, but what he is going to really champion is this development mm. pathway system." Yeah, exactly. Um, which and seems that, to be quite successful out at Penrith. And that's that's why. That's kind of what I mean about the the union talent. He's not yeah. going to be, he's not going to be like sucking those players into to play first grade. But he'll yeah. be providing them with opportunities to be part of the developmental pathways in league, where yeah. maybe the union ones are are no longer as attractive. Do you think also he might be drawing on all of the Pacific Island nations there as well? He might be making missions to to have them all part of that uh, pathway system. Oh, potentially, but you know, I mean, that's that's something that Queensland's also trying to do, right? Like, yeah. I mean, they do that with PNG, they do it with Fiji. Yeah, you know. Well, either way, Xander, I do know this: the NRL as a whole is much stronger when the Warriors are stronger. So, I hope the Nathan Brown Phil Gould experiment works out well for the club. But even more than that, I hope the breathing circle returns to its former glory. <laughs> and better still, the club takes one of our previous suggestions of the circle jerk Bukaki huddle. It's legit. Towards the end of episode 51, check it out. (laughs) More after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackles. And uh, Ivan Cleary, he found himself in some hot water this week. And no, this time it's not because of his infamous rub-and-tug hot spa. 
This time it's because of comments about the referees he had after his side's victory against the Raiders. Now, he has been referred to the integrity unit, mate, because he's been deemed to have questioned the integrity of the referees. Peter Volandi's also flayed him alive Mm. in the media. How did you see his comments? Yeah, well, like I said to you, um, watching the game, I think I was I was live tweeting when when though they made those calls, like the the um the the captain's challenge on was it uh, Nickel Clockstar being bundled into touch? Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that's a square up hundred yep. <laughs> percent. You know, and uh, it just seemed like such a ridiculous call because yep. it was there was momentum in it. I think technically within the letter of the law, they were right um, to overturn it, but it wasn't what their Raiders had challenged. The Raiders had challenged mm. um, that they got the ball out before he went over touch and then the, the review called on something else. Yeah, there's still some murky territory there with the captain's challenge. <laughs> so You can start forensically yeah. looking at other shit even though that wasn't your intention. Yeah, and, and, and there, was, there, was a, there was a bunch of little decisions where there was that, um, there was uh, the Panthers players having the balls knocked out of their, the ball knocked out of his hand in the play the ball and that got let go whereas mm. similar thing happened, they, they, they Look, ignored it. There was, there was about three or four in a row that, that gifted the Raiders back-to-back-to-back possession after which they finally scored and they all felt a little dubious and you just kind of they they did to me at the time feel like square ups i don't know if they i i wouldn't suggest that they're intentional but they just maybe maybe um but that's what a square up is isn't it well it's hard to have it unintentionally well, i mean up. you know it's you can do it i think you can do it instinctively like i mean the the, the flow of the game may i would i would say it's one of those things that you know, you you probably got a mental tally of of, of how many how many um, calls you've made one way, even if one team has been more guilty, and you know you're just as a result uh, a little bit more vigilant on the other side, and maybe mm. maybe just subconsciously sort of balancing things out. You know, here's my thing: like that that happens <coughs> in rugby league games all the time, right? There's mm. a run of bad calls. The referees are highly fallible. The, obviously, the issue here is. The integrity of the referees yeah, to say there's yeah. an intention to and it, and I think the words were he managed no managed he, the Raiders back into the game. He said it felt like they were being managed back into the game. He didn't he didn't actually accuse them. I think yeah. would be the fair thing because I, I I think the biggest knock on what Cleary said was that you're right. Like he questioned the integrity of the referees by saying that he didn't outwardly accuse them. Mm. So there's a, there's a wiggle room there because he said it felt like I know, but that um, is very small wiggle room, isn't it? It I, is. I pose an alternative yeah. one. It felt like the referees were cheating out there. <laughs> but they weren't. That's going to hold it up just, in court. It mate. just felt like it. Um, but 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 what I would say is the biggest. I think the biggest knock is the fact that they fucking won. I know. <laughs> so just leave it alone. Like here's my thing about Ivan Cleary. Right now, the results speak for themselves. His team is going very very well. So I'm not knocking him as a coach. Hmm. I'm knocking him as a person here tonight because <laughs> I, every time they flash up into the coaching box, have you noticed just how fucking unhappy Ivan Cleary looks? And, he, you know, mate, your team's leading by 80. Mm. Why aren't you fucking euphoric? Why aren't you putting whipped cream on your dick and pushing it up against the window screen? Maybe he's trying to learn from Bellamy. Bellamy, I've, I've seen Bellamy win Compson look pissed off. No, that's right. He almost looks like he's uh, he's missed out on the final cheese bread <laughs> at the Sizzler. Like a, after the, 27, uh, the 2017 grand final, he was he was punching on the uh, the glass and swearing his head off. Ivan Cleary, does he need some fucking happy juice? Does he need some Prozac to be injected into his anus? I mean, why does he look so unhappy, Xander, when Penrith are doing so well? Oh, he looked pretty happy when they beat the Tigers, to be fair. That's true. I think that was personal. <laughs> yeah, he talked about the old metaphor of getting often on the bus. I think that 
time he just ran the fucking Tigers club over, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that was... Repeatedly. Um, that was hilarious. Mind you, I heard he was copping it left, right and centre from, from mm. uh, some random it box It felt very fan. Nice France, that yeah. one. Obviously, what punishment would you like to see handed down to Ivan if you could be PVL for a day and you didn't have to have his weird stooped posture? You could just be you, the strapping Zander Risotto. posture. Um... You could actually pronounce the word rugby league as well. Mate, I I love the way he pronounces rugby league. (laughs) Hey, you didn't early. Fucking, you were so angry early. But now that it's become a meme, you're so on board with it. It's one of those things. It's it's, it's grown on me like like genital fungus. Um, (laughs) How is that going, by the way? Is uh, Is the topical cream working? No, it actually seems to have fed it. I don't know what to do. Uh, but anyway, I... That was um, my fault. Never put dinker up <laughs> in your penis, folks. But, yeah, in terms of... I mean, punishment, I, I don't know. I don't think he needs... I, I, think, I think this was... It, this was minor stuff in the grand scheme of things, um, in all honesty. I think I think uh, Volandi's um, reaction to it as being the most ho- de- deplorable thing in the world felt a little bit overblown. Like, it was a split second in the conference where it was like, yeah, I felt like yeah. they were being and managed back into three the And then three and a half minutes later, <clears throat> Tavita Pangai Jr. Yeah. Given, <laughs> news broke. Given what else has been going on in the game, this feels like we have other problems. Yeah. And I, I'm, if anything, I would, I, would, um, I would be more looking at what punishments I could give Wayne Bennett. Do you reckon we should just bring back the stocks? You know, like in the Wild West, we get Ivan Cleary, they stoop him down and put in the stocks. And then disgruntled fans could sort of just throw rancid tomatoes at him for about, I don't know, three or four days. Forget the money. Forget all the rest of it. Just humiliate him. He probably won't ever do it again. I think he would. Oh, yeah. It's that time again for Media Watch Mario Madness. <laughs> Well, uh, it's it's a rare treat, Sander, when we're joined uh, by our good friend, Media Watch Mario. Of course, our studio is named after Media Watch Mario. It wasn't named after that Italian chef that I had a brief affair with. Um, I thought it was after the, the character Mario from the Nintendo games. No, because I was always a Luigi man anyway, because yeah. Mario, fat shit. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Mate, let's be honest with you. Luigi had all the agility. He carried Mario throughout that fucking franchise. Anyway, look, we're going to talk about rugby league here because we'll drift into a world of Tamagotchis and Japanese subculture that I'm not prepared to go down. Rugby league, it tosses up some weird turns and often um, some illegal ones. COVID breaches left, right and centre. I want to start with this question. Brisbane Broncos, we keep saying each week it can't get any worse and yet they find a way. This time it comes in the form of Tavita Pangai Jr., some nasty trolls about Anthony Seabold and at least 10 Brisbane Broncos players apparently found to be breaching the system. And that's not even mentioning Alfie Langer and the Caxton Hotel. I want to get your thoughts on it. Where are the Brisbane Broncos at the moment with all this stuff? I think they're being very smart. They know that they're on track for a wooden spoon. So by getting booted out of the comp entirely, they avoid it. Do you think there is a chance that they'll lose competition points over all of this? Because it seems to have happened at a club level. There has to be they, they, like this whole project Apollo has to have had something in you know set up and ready for in the event that there was such a, a huge over the top breach like this. This is a, a club wide thing. Ignoring like you know the Brisbane trying to get their coach boosted by you know spreading accusations about him is is one thing, but that's between them and him. That's not really our problem. But this is. The problem of everybody, and I don't think it's acceptable at all. And I, 
I think they should be booted out of the comp for the rest of this season, honestly. Okay, when you say booted out of the comp, you don't mean stripped of all their points. You just mean being asked to leave, like someone who's had too much to drink at a pub. I mean, they're just not invited to play any more games. Anyone due to play them just gets the two points because, let's face it, they were going to anyway. <laughs> yeah, I just a question, though. I mean, on the mechanics of that, Mario, does that mean you would then retrospectively have to go back and for all the teams that did lose to them, the Bulldogs, etc., they'd then have to be given the two points? Oh, there's a curly no, one. The breaches happened after those games occurred, so they were playing those games legally, and now playing now would be illegal. Therefore, it would make sense for teams to get those two points I, now. I take issue with that, Mario, because you could still field a team that uh, other sides could go up against. They could, they just have to be in their reserves. That would be that would be within the rules. Um, but uh, if you were to just strip all of their points and then give everyone who played them and lost. I mean, it's really only three teams. It's not going to affect the, the latter too much. Are you sure they could field a team, given they've got some people like Jack Bird and Matt Lodge out for the season? Are they actually going to, in a squad of 30 with 10 people breaching rules, are they going to have 17 left? It's a big question. I'm not sure how many came, if those people came from injured players or what. I don't, I'm not sure who the 10 are. I've got, a, I've, got a bold, a question mark. I've got a bold suggestion for you then, Mario, along those same lines. It comes in the form of one Wally Lewis. Is it time for a comeback? <laughs> well, Alfie and Lockie are both still at the club, aren't they? Although well, Alfie's breached as well, <laughs> so you can't bring Alfie in. Damn it. Well, Lockie, he, he's, got three, he's got three jobs at the club, all of which he does terribly, so let's put him in at 5'8", then fullback at the same time, double his pay packet again, and he'll, he'll do an even worse job. Look, you've mentioned Alfie Langer. We can't have a conversation about the Brisbane Broncos and COVID breaches without talking about that a little bit more in depth. Came out today that uh, it looked as though the Caxton Hotel uh, turned off their CCTV cameras, Mario, so that Alfie Langer could enjoy his COVID breach in peace. It was just Alfie, by the way, and 43 of his closest mates. Um, what should be the ramifications there for the Caxton Hotel and Queensland Rugby League more generally? Because it seems as though uh, there's a bit of a cabal of secrecy going on up there, and they clearly wanted to keep this quiet. I mean, we've all known, well, we've all air, air quotes known for a long time that the Queensland media and et cetera were all complicit in covering up Brisbane Broncos crimes and here's some actual evidence of it happening has gotten out. I, I don't know what the answer is to this though. They, Again, it's just more reason why the whole club just needs to be boosted out mm. and probably some sort of punishment for next year. I agree with you. They've got away with a lot over the years. And one story that probably doesn't get enough play was when they abducted that small uh, orphan boy who had cerebral palsy. Um, and no one really held them to account with that. In fact, he's still playing this year, Brodie Croft. Big shout out. Um, not playing particularly well, but you're doing, you're doing your best, mate. And hopefully you'll get freedom soon. Um, I want to talk about Mario as well. Uh, Nathan Brown, he's been, let's face it, he found a job, which is excellent because I think he was a glassy at the uh, Mariners Golf Club there for a little while, but he's, he's got a job as a head coach with the Warriors. He's joined up with one Phil Gould. Did you see this combination coming? I didn't because when they said, when the Warriors came out and said, Jeff Tuvey, you're not qualified, to be honest, I didn't disagree with them on the inside. The fact is Tuves does look somewhat cooked in the media. You, you've got to question how good a first-grade coach he's going to be. But the problem is, so is Nathan Brown. So if you look at them both being equally on the nose, intellectually speaking, then at least Tuvi has a better coaching record. 
than Nathan Brown, and therefore he's a better option. So, it, you know, to me, if Nathan Brown is the answer, then what the fuck was the question? And I've got to say, uh, at least Jeff Toovey has more of an excuse for being punch drunk because he really put his body on the line. Not sure what Nathan Brown's excuse was because he generally had the cleanest jersey for the Dragons when he played. He probably had three runs his entire career. Yeah, it's an interesting one though, mate. I mean, we, we had this same discussion earlier. Uh, my only, uh, I'm, I'm similarly bemused at the situation, but I, what I would say is that Brown, I suppose, in his defence, has continued to coach. Um, you know, he's had that stint with Wigan. He, you know, uh, coached Newcastle through that difficult period. Whereas, like, for whatever reason, um, Tooves just hasn't had a gig since finishing up at Manly. Yeah, it's pretty sad now for old Tooves. I think he just needs to go off quietly into the sunset because it's getting pretty embarrassing for him just getting knocked back constantly by absolute basket case club like the Warriors. If you can't get a job there... <laughs> then just just go to England it's, or something. Go get a job over there or go coach reserve grade team. Just prove prove yourself somehow. But it, just begging for every single shitty job that comes along just hmm. kind of looks sad. So just to be clear, when you are asking Jeff Toovey to walk off into the sunset, that is a euphemism for euthanasia, isn't it? No. If he was a Roosters, ex-Roosters player, then I would absolutely be, you know, subscribing to that theory, but not with an absolute legend like Toos. No, just making sure, because that would be putting him out of his misery. Euthanasia is a mercy, a tender mercy for a lot of people in the world, mate. Well, and, and apparently the entire Victorian health system agrees with you, because that is euthanizing all, every old person in the state. Yeah, I'll tell you what, they're really bringing that demographic down by about 10 years at the moment, south of the border. I mean, it's great news for the Labor Party, because if apparently, you know, the, the demographic is the boomers and builders that were all the ones who vote lit, then mm. Labor's going to be in power in Victoria for a long time to come. Do you know who I feel sorry for, Mario? The poor old humble Victorian retirement castle. You know, I mean, what are they going to do when they're all dead? I'll have to convert, they'll have to pivot their business. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken for them. <laughs> yeah, me too. Especially the really duplicitous ones like Booper. Who, uh, who actually treat them unfairly to begin with. Look, on that very sombre note, we're going to go to our last little topic, mate, that we need to quiz you about. And uh, that's about Ivan Cleary. Now, uh, Peter Volandis came down on him like a ton of Greek bricks during the week. Did you think the penalty and the criticism was fair when he questioned the referee's integrity this week? Cleary's an idiot. I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. Seriously. Like, folding a loss makes you look petty. folding a win just makes you look like the biggest douchebag ever. They've won eight in a row. Nobody actually thinks they're getting the, the, the thin end of the wedge or whatever you'd call it. I'm not sure. I'm probably just using a wrong um, analogy. Yeah, the thin, thin end of a wedge is, the, the thin end of the wedge is something else, mate, but go on. We know what you mean, though. <laughs> you know what I mean. What the hell is he doing? He, he deserves a bigger fine, except that, you know, good on him. He's actually, I like, I kind of like Penrith doing well because Phil Gould's gone, so it makes Phil Gould look shit. So I'm kind of in favour of Penrith doing well at the moment, and I look forward to the Warriors somehow going further backwards. Well, Mario, that's, uh, that segment rocketed very quickly. We always appreciate your candid thoughts, and uh, often they come with an explosive laden um, approach to certain players within the league. But we love that about you as well. Thank you for joining us here on the Voluntary Tackle again for another week. It has been my pleasure. Thanks again. Hashtag bust for cast. Again, I, I, I have to say, Mario, I'm sure you mean cussed or bust. Bust for cussed just doesn't make any sense, so I'm just going to put it out there. He's such a stickler, Mario. Just because all the players are 
players at your club are so unattractive that you don't understand the feeling of of enjoyment that can come from... Do you want to make a physical bust of Cust? Is that what you're saying? To, to make a sculpture of it? Do you want to make a, a, okay, a head sculpture? That makes more sense. We need a bust of Cust. <laughs> we need a bust of Cust. Put it in the I mean, change room. <laughs> Rumours this week that Mary McGregor will be sacked possibly before the season's even out. Do you see that coming? And B, is it the right move? You'd, you'd be a fool to not see him uh, getting the sack coming, uh, given the results over the part, like the, the amount of time he's been in the saddle. Mm. Question is, they've actually been doing all right lately. Who are they going to hire in his stead? So the, uh, the thinking is what Flanagan is going to come in and take well, the role. Well, he's still suspended, so he's actually completely so, so, out of the equation. Yeah, so he can't he can't coach the side for a little while. No. Like when it was Although it, he's coaching inverted commas, I think, at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, but like, how long is he out for? Is, is he able to come in, what, in 2024? Oh, I think he has to serve at least another year, I think is right. my understanding. So, so, so who are they going to get to coach? Well, there's, I guess there's a bit of coaching musical chairs going yeah. on at the moment. And they're all... Failing coaches. What about you? Got Todd Payton, who said he's already yeah. he's not going to coach at the Warriors. I think has his eyes on the Cowboys. Yeah. So job. Payton clearly, I mean, he's he's done well in the limited time he's had in the saddle at the Warriors. Yep. But it's not, you know, a few good games in, in a um, in a franchise going through dire state straits. You know, there's there's a lot there that you can draw on, and I mean, you know, we've seen the the mistakes clubs make. Signing coaches who they think are promising really early, <laughs> really early. <Yeah>. Seabolt, <laughs> but uh, he's probably one of the the rising positive hmm. uh, news stories on the coaching front at the moment. But uh, do you know what I love about him as well? Though is the fact he looks so imposing. Yeah, that, they they flick to him in the coaching box. Yeah. He just looks like someone, and it completely could he be looks completely like Lex false. Luther with a goatee, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think I don't want to fuck with that yeah. guy. And I reckon the players are going, I don't want to fuck with that guy, and I'll do whatever he says. And they have been playing well, better they, under him. They have been playing well. To be fair, though, the Warriors this year have been strangely consistent. Like, they've had a few sort of rough games here and there where they've mm. played truly clinical, clinical sides like the, the Storm. Yeah. But they've, they've had a few games where, it, before Kearney was sacked, you know, they, they completed it close to 100%. Yeah. Like, they, they haven't been bad. All right. Well, let's go back to your original question. Who would St. George Illawarra go after? Um, if not Mary McGregor or uh, Flanagan at the club. Now, this whoever comes in, so presumably, not, is probably going to have Flanagan as an assistant. So it's not pa- it's not uh, Peyton. Yeah. Um, Brown's what, what obviously not going definitely there. not Peyton, by the way? Well, because he, he, he wants to go back to North Queensland. The reason he didn't take the Warriors job was because he had family up in North is Queensland. Is that the entire reason, though? I reckon there's more to that story. Because um, remember, he was a big fan of Kearney, and I probably didn't enjoy the way he was sacked. There might be some, you know, Maybe. spillover bad yeah. blood there. I don't know. I'm it's, speculating. It's, it's possible, but but the mail was that he's he got would, his eyes he, on the Cowboys. Yeah. Job. So I mean, if he doesn't get the Cowboys job, maybe. Which he probably. I mean, that's still a stretch to say yeah. he's got that locked up. If it's not him, who is it? Would Wayne Bennett go up there? Well, you know, if he's, if he's not banned anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When when the, when the uh, restrictions ease. <laughs> He'd be able, to, able, able to, to go out and eat as, as a man should be. <laughs> what about Anthony Griffin? He's still floating around as a potential candidate who I think was probably wrongly uh, knifed at Penrith because I don't know if you remember, he got mm. knifed at a time when they were coming fifth. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that was weird. Um, no, Griffin. It was, it was a personality conflict with Phil Gould, yeah. let's be honest and call it what it is. He still, to me, got 
you know, the stocks to actually take a first grain NRL team. It was a little bit like the uh, the Kearney sacking, wasn't it? It was one of those decisions that had kind of been made based on the previous year's results. Um, I'm going to throw another one at yeah. you. Assistant coach down at Melbourne is Jason Riles. He's a former yeah. Dragon. Yeah. He could be a chance potentially if they're willing to gamble on a new coach. Craig Fitzgibbon is being groomed under under Robbo. Yeah, but he's not going anywhere. He's made that clear. Yeah, well, I hope that's not the case. But eventually, he might yeah. say that now. But, I mean, how long will he hold true to that? Well, you know, what has he got? Another two years in his contract. So, But he, he wouldn't be going anywhere until 2022, effectively. Remember NRL contracts? Yeah. They're written on Kleenex tissue. I know, but, mate, the roosters are different. You know, you know this as well as I do. You I, know, do. I mean, unless, unless you're, you know, you come, you come from a rotten culture... Uh, into our club, like clearly uh, Adam O'Brien did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see him as a trader now? Going nah, to no, no. I, I, I say good luck to him. I, I think he's a good coach. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and, and he did come in and, yeah, I think he, he he had a positive influence and he left and that's that's fine. It's tricky, right? It's, you know, there's not that many high-quality coaches and there's not, you know, and the jobs that are going around are not teams that are sort of high-flying. They're all fixer-uppers. Other stories going around, mate. Darcy Lussick has been making some posts on yeah. on Twitter. I don't know if you've been following this. Uh, signs of distress. Now, he was playing for the Wolfpack, wasn't That's he? That's right, yeah. And he's one of the many players that have been left high and dry, uh, three or four months in arrears of payments, mm. stuck over in the UK. No one's sort of paying their bills for them. How does this reflect on a, on a club like the Wolfpack? Is this something that could end the brand, end their their success before they even got any momentum. Well, yeah, you know, it absolutely could. I mean, so the, the, it's a combination of things. It's a failure of the Wolfpack, um, but it's also a failure of the Rugby Football League in, in the UK. So they they have had three years... A lot years. of hate going out there for the, the, the Super League administrators. Well, yeah, that. like, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a stark difference in the way the NRL is, has managed the situation with the Warriors, worked with the government to, to come up, uh, with creative solutions mm. to, to manage their, their challenging visa search let, circumstances. Let them break COVID rules. <laughs> well, that's not a that's not a uh, a visa issue. But anyway, um, you said the NRL had worked with them on a, a variety of things. That's so right. I mean, you know, but yeah, like I mean, so they they'd worked with the government to and and worked quite aggressively to try and manage the situation and uh, gotten concessions. Whereas it looks like the Rugby Football League have just, you know, they had three years knowing, for example, that. Um, the uh, the visa situation was untenable for their players because they have to spend um, the preseason training and preparing in the UK because it's too cold in Canada and they wanted the preseason games to not have to travel back and forth. Yeah. So they, they train and live in the UK. Um, was it you that was telling me, though, that deep down the administrators of the English Super League don't really want the Toronto Wolfpack there anyway? Well, there's a, I mean, it's, it's a, there's a sense of that, that maybe it's not the, the administration itself. I, I often think that the Rugby Football League is more just encumbered with incompetence than it is with that sort of ill intent. Like maliciousness, yeah. Yeah, um, but it, there, is, there is definitely a, 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 a strain of, of, um, of uh, English Rugby League that is really like virulently against the Wolfpack. Mm -hmm. And that, that it, you have seen that in, in, in the way that they've... they've um, uh, been criticised since they're 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 coming into the like the, the lower leagues yeah. as well. But but getting back to the issue at hand, they you know this thing with the visas has, has been known about for three years and and no special arrangement or yeah. no 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 Poor special planning. Yeah, and the, the the players have been living and for all intents and purposes, you know, they're UK workers, but they weren't entitled, for example, to furlough payments, which is yeah. JobKeeper, for example, for yeah. us. And this is a point made on on the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. Big um, shout out to the boys. You know, like and they, these these are all issues that 
if they had been managed. And, and similarly, they made um, they were promoted into the Super League, but for example, didn't get a cut of the Super League um, uh, 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 broadcast money, which. Normally, they, they would split it 12 ways. This time, it was split 11 ways. So, there was all kinds of things where, I mean... Did they get anything? Did they at least get lottery scratchy tickets or something? No, well, they've basically been... You know, like, so they, they, it sounds like they've been bled dry a little bit. Mm. And you'd suspect that David Argyle, who's who's at the head of the, the operation... Um, his businesses are probably not doing too well as well. If, oh, if, mate, he'll be fine. He'll if, do some lawyerizing. He'll find he'll some lawyerizing. So obviously something's gone afoul there because they haven't paid their own staff. Apparently, there's there's been stories about the the front offices and back offices of of, of their operation in Canada and and uh, the UK being pretty poorly run and staffed. You know, mm. it's it's you know it, it's been a it's been an operation with with its own. Um, you know, raft of problems, mm. but it's been made more difficult by just the the lack of support they've had. Is there a chance that when guys like Lusick go on social media that what he's really hoping is he's waving the white flag to hope an NRL club will come and rescue him? Because, I mean, he's still, he's not that old. He's 31, right? Is he? Yeah, there yeah. you go. He's got plenty of, he's got he'd a few signed, years left in him. He'd signed a three-year deal, I think, with Toronto, mm. and he was expecting that to take him through to re- retirement. Yeah. Um, so... You know, he wants to come home, but yeah, I don't... I don't know if any NRL club will probably... Yeah, they I mean, won't. given his history, he has a bit of a checkered history in the NRL as well with the judiciary and... Yeah. He, he's a bit punchy. Yeah, he played He played with Manly, you know, terrible culture at that place. Big shout, shout out, out to Mario. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, next topic, uh, Flanagan dropped from the Roosters last week. Um, young Lachlan Land came in to, uh, to take his place and actually played really well. Yeah. Will this keep Flanagan out of the team, you think? Well, Robinson's made it clear uh, that uh, for the time being, the spot's Lambs. He impressed him enough in the mm. game against the Dragons. And that was a, that was a tough fought game against the Dragons. But I've got to say, um, I, I've, I've liked uh, the way Flanagan has played. I think he's developed as the year has gone on. But uh, if there is a criticism, you know, sometimes he's not terribly direct in his play. Mm. Um, and uh, he doesn't, you know, probably could take the line on a little bit more. And his and his um, fifth tackle options are a little bit predictable. So what I would say is that um, Lamb definitely added a different element. I thought his fifth tackle options and his kicking was more dynamic, and he definitely played a bit more aggressively and a bit more direct. I tell you what, it's almost chalk and cheese when you compare Lachlan Lamb and uh, Young Flanagan because. You know, Lachlan Lamb is a, as a spark player, yeah. isn't he? He sort of plays at a tempo of 120%. Yeah. Capable of making an error, but he sort of plays what's in front of him. Whereas Flanagan almost looks like he's out of the handbook. He's, yeah. His speed, he's a structure player. Exactly. Speed yeah. is not his virtue, which is probably why he hasn't got much of a running game, mm. which he does need to work on. But at the same time, he actually does have, I think he's got quite a good kicking game. Mm. He can tee up his outside men. He's barely mistake-free. Mm. His defense has been solid. His defense has improved out of sight. Yeah. Like, so I actually, I, I like both of these yeah. players, to be honest with you. I think both are prospects, but they're so different. Mm. It's really tough to, to gauge. It really comes down to, I guess, what kind of player mm. Robbo wants to play alongside Kiri. Yeah, you raise an interesting point, right? Because Kiri is, a, is, is an instinct player, right? He's somebody who, who plays what's in front of him and, and, spot, and just has that incredible vision. And, I mean, it struck me that, yeah, like Flanagan seemed like a, somebody more in a, in a kind of cronk mould um, that would probably develop a little over time. Yeah. 
maybe Lamb just adds a little bit more unpredictability and they're needing somebody who's going to take the line on a little bit more. I agree with you, actually, especially at the moment with this injury crisis yeah. at the Roosters. Uh, we have looked a bit flat and unpredictable. Potentially, Lachlan Lamb's been used mm. as a bit of a vice, at least in the short term, to actually spark things up around the ruck and around the halves. Uh, but it almost one thing I will say about Flanagan, he has a brilliant support game as well. Yeah, he does. Uh, he scored he, a number of tries this year. He backs up, up doesn't he, yeah, really he does. well. So yeah. there's a lot to like about Flanagan. I don't think this is the end of his time at the Roosters by any stretch. I had the feeling when he first got dropped, what it was more of a psychological rev up. Yeah. Because it wasn't as though he was playing really poorly, I didn't think. Um, but it might have just been a little bit of a, uh, a mind game Kick from Robbo to just say, look, yeah. you don't have a mortgage on the seven, and we've actually got depth at the club, and there's someone mm. nipping at your heels. So just letting you know... You know, you're not infallible mm. here. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the, what, the, the last thing I would say on it, though, is that if they probably will help his game. Um, but the other, the other thing that, that Flanagan brings at the moment is, is a real um, accuracy in goal kicking, which we haven't actually had for this a long true, time. Yeah. Like he's been, you know, apart from the odd slip up here and there, he's been, he's been incredibly accurate. And the, my thing is, I actually think Tiki Aho is a brilliant goal kicker, yeah. one of the rare props who goal kicks. Obviously, the problem being that he's a prop, so he's not so always he's not on, on the field. 80%, yeah, 80%. So you're minutes. hoping that you know in the, the 20 or 30 minutes that he's not on the field and we score, that we've got a decent backup mm. kicker. Well, they score in front of the posts. Exactly. <laughs> Mate, we're going to finish off with uh, some criticism of Big Madge Maguire. I mean, I love criticising Madge because he's such an angry man. and yeah. If he's not kicking chairs or putting his head through walls, he's dropping half the team and then changing his mind on the next Tuesday. Uh, fair bit of criticism coming his way uh, this week from the likes of Brad Fittler, Andrew Johns, uh, Andrew Voss, who have basically said that Madge has ruined the Tigers' chances of making the eight this year because he's chopped and changed so much. Do you yeah. think there's some merit in that view? Well, yeah. I mean, they've got no combinations, right? Yeah. Um, you can only chop and change yeah. so often, can't you, before see, it becomes a redundant measure. See, the, yeah, um, this is exactly what I was about to say, is that the original intent that... Um, was communicated from his dropping of, say, Benji Marshall, was that he was going to show nobody that they're safe. Mm. And that seemed to give them a bit of a kick up the backside. But then they lost a, another couple of games, and so he chopped and changed more, so, as if to reiterate the point. And now he's done it so many times that it's almost like everyone thinks the positions are now a lottery, and so it doesn't matter what they do. And, and it shows on the field, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Because you see the guys out there, they, don't, they look far from relaxed. Yeah. I'm talking about the likes of Luke Brooks, Benji Marshall, Reynolds... They all look like they're playing for their lives and yeah. their futures because under the Maguire regime, no one is safe. And I'll say this about Maguire as well. I think another uh, flaw in his makeup is the fact that he well, he can't just decide if he doesn't like you and you're not in his future plans, you're gone. Yeah, yeah. And there's sort of not a lot of flexibility there with Madge. Um, you know, noticed over at South. I don't know if you remember when he. Mm. Made Greg Inglis play with one leg, ruined his entire career. That's right. Not yep. a lot of flexibility in that knee anymore for poor old GI. So I don't know. I feel like he's almost too austere for the yeah. game. He he has a vision of what he wants the Tigers to be, which is a very Madge vision. He wants mm. them to be a guy, a type of team that can win eight four. Mm. I don't think the Tigers are ever going to be that. I don't think it's in their DNA, at least not in the short term. And I think he, if he can't get to that vision, he'll just keep driving away. Mm no matter what he has to do, where as someone like Wayne Bennett, for example, I think he's much better at playing the, the, the cattle in front of him, you know, and seeing where their strengths and weaknesses are and trying to nut out a game plan based on that. 
Madge Maguire is definitely not that for me, but how do you see that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think my you know I said it. I've said it previously, but my knock on Madge has been I, I've long thought he confuses tough with smart. Yeah, that's a problem. Isn't and it? and uh, you know he he pushes players uh, like I, I think I think there is a a really big difference between deliberate and hard practice and mm. just hard slog practice. I like that. So he he conflates smart with tough. Yeah. So he'd be the type of guy to send in Bo Scott to do some advanced COVID work. Yeah, pretty much. But you know, you, you get the point I'm making, right? Is it when you when you look at the way you know really good teams um, play and, and really good athletes are? The, the the thing they do is they work hard, but the, you know you you understand deliberate practice, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they, they the teams or athletes will will find an area of their game. They will have these these smarts to see where they are weakest. They won't overextend themselves, but they will push themselves to the limit in that area where they are their weakest. So they'll work bloody hard, but they won't kill themselves. Madge just, I get the sense with him, he just works people, uh, he, he works works players to the death as if they're trying to get into the SAS. Yeah, that's you know? right. Well, he literally does the military training. Like, and, and, and the thing about that, I don't know if you know much about how the SAS and the military training sessions are uh, meant to work. But, I but used that, to when I was in the middle trying to bring them down from the inside. <laughs> but the SAS... Big shout out to my Soviet leaders. <laughs> that's, Jesus, you're a lot older than I am, mate. Fuck me dead. thought you guys broke up. I was a child soldier. Um, but there's an ethos to a lot of those, those, um, those training uh, routines, which are... Often, as entry systems designed to break people, mm. because yeah, he is, he's effectively you know, trying to break and, his and squad. That is not what you want to do with a football team that you've paid millions of dollars to assemble. No, exactly right. Because if, here's the thing that he's missing in the in the military, the, the whole idea is uniformity, right? Yeah, they want you to be the same, have the same attitude, and have the same set of skills, be yeah. consistent. Rugby league players are completely different. Exactly, and, that, and that, different that's, roles, different hmm. skills, and very different personalities. It's, and he hasn't got the the dexterity, that the nuance to handle that. Yeah, he 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 thinks he's recruiting for SEAL Team Six, yeah. and uh, you know, he, no, he's he's got the team that he's got, mm. and the way he approaches it just seems to be a little bit. Yeah, it, it's it's always it's always kind of been a a blunt instrument approach. Yeah, yeah. should his teams be allowed to carry some C four, at least one of them? <laughs> a doff of the cap to Madge from the NRL to say, look, we respect your skills. Uh, we realise you really want to train SEAL teams and commandos. Have some gelignite uh, for the, the first half. Let's not go nuts, just the first half. Should they sanction something like that? How could that go wrong? Don't think they'd win. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Brooks would blow himself up. Thank you for listening to The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to palm off the big issues. The program would like to advise listeners that because its hosts have developed a gold Rolex shopping addiction, they need your help. Please make comments and ratings on Apple Podcasts, or alternatively, awkwardly shoehorn the show into conversations with friends and loved ones. You may also wish to follow the show across social media platforms, They include Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Voluntary Tackle is now also available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you again for flying with The Voluntary Tackle. Your luggage is now our property, and you will not be seeing it again. In the event of a non-traditional landing, please assume the Russians have blown another plane from the sky, and feel free to panic.